Well, hi there, and thank you for joining us. I'm Adam Masters, your host for this episode of Simplifying Super. Today, I welcome back AMP Capital's Head of Investment Strategy and Economics and Chief Economist, Dr. Shane Oliver. In this episode, we'll be running through Shane's top five investment mantras, so get comfortable, as I'm sure we'll have plenty of good tips for you, our listeners. Now, of course, a reminder that any topics discussed today are general in nature, and it's important to seek personalized advice before making any financial decisions. With no time to waste, Shane Oliver, thanks again for being here. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me. Shane, investing, as you know, can be a complicated business, and often investors can find themselves distracted or thrown off course by any number of things. We're talking economic activity, interest rates, and the political climate, to name just a few. You have a few key tips or core mantras that people should be considering when it comes to investment. And one of those is making the most of the power of compound interest. Could you just explain what you mean by that for our listeners? Well, compound interest is basically the way returns grow on themselves. So if you think about it, you've got an investment, you've got $100, you put it in your investment and maybe it's earning 10% per annum. Um, after the end of the first year, it's grown to $110. After the end of the second year, um, it's up to 121 and you can see where this is going. It gets bigger and bigger over time. And um, if you try and graph it, you end up with this exponential line that sort of starts to go up gradually, but then suddenly takes off as you're getting returns building on top of returns. So the way to make the most of compound interest is to invest in assets that over long periods of time grow with the economy and provide higher rates of return. For example, if you go back to 1900 and invest $1 in Australian cash, Australian government bonds and Australian shares. Now the investment in cash will only go up, um, but over the period from 1900 to now, it would have only grown from about $1 to just over $240. And the average rate of return is about 4.5%. Obviously these days are much lower because the return on cash bank deposits is much lower. If alternatively, you put that money into Australian government bonds, again, safe, the Australian government's never defaulted, but that $1 would have grown from $1 to about $1,000 now with an average return of about 5.5%. So that's good, far better than cash, but it's only $1,000. If alternatively you put the money in the Australian share market and you keep, again, with the other assets, you keep reinvesting any return you get, whether it's interest or, or dividends. So you, you put that money in the share market, you're going to have some dips along the way, but that, that $1 after reinvesting the dividends and getting the capital growth would have grown to over $600,000 today with an average return of about 11.5%. Now, of course, that's not in a straight line. You get some volatility, but if you want to grow your wealth, you have to make the most of compounding, compound returns, and the way to do that is via growth assets like the share market. Now, you can do exactly the same thing in relation to property um, or other assets that will grow with the economy. Shane, investment markets, like anything, our health, our relationships, the performance of our favourite sports team, perhaps, they all go through cyclical phases of good times and the not so good times. Why should investors make sure that they're not thrown off by the cycle? Well, the first point I made was uh, make the most of compound interest. If you get thrown off every time there's a cyclical deviation, you won't make the most of compound interest. Um, to give you an example, when I was extremely young, um, not this, too long ago, Shane, uh, not too long well, this ago. This one was a little while ago. We had uh, a 59% fall in the Australian share market. A lot of people don't know this because they don't look at the numbers that closely, but that's what happened in January 73 to September, October 1974. This was the height of stagflation. 
Um, I also like to joke sometimes that uh, January 73 was when Elvis Presley appeared via Hawaii via satellite. <laughs> Looked very slim. And then, of course, we, we learned later on that he'd left the building, unfortunately. I'm still debating that one whether he did or not. But anyway, um, by the time we get to 1974, my favourite TV show, The Brady Bunch, is canned. So I can no longer look forward to brand new episodes of The Brady Bunch. I'm uh, stuck on reruns. So I got so depressed I sold all my shares. No, I didn't. The, the point about that period is that it was a horrible, horrible fall. Likewise, the 87 crash. Soon after I started my, my career in investing or funds management, um, the Australian share market fell 50% over two months. Now, if I'd been thrown off by those sorts of events and sold everything, uh, say if I have choice in my super, now I didn't back then, but you do now, if I decided, well, geez, the share market's just fallen 50%, this is uh, back in uh, late 1987. I better get out because it's going to fall another 50%. Now, I would get thrown off by the cycle and I would have missed out on the recovery in the share market and I would have missed out on the, um, the, the magic of compound interest. So the key to avoid missing out on mag the magic of compound interest is not to get thrown off by the cycle. Okay, um, I want to move on to your next mantra. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, and it's particularly impactful when we think of it in the context of investing. Previously, you've looked at how investors can work themselves into a bind by letting blind faith get in the way of smart decisions. Why should investors look further into the future and invest for the long term rather than, say, focus on chasing short-term market success? Well, the problem with investing for the short term is that you will get it wrong. As John Kenneth Galbraith, who was a famous economist, once said, there's two kinds of forecasters, and you can say two kinds of investors, those who don't know and those who don't know that they don't know. Uh, and that's quite insightful. Um, we like to think that experts know. We like to think that we're experts, that we can time the market. Think last year. You think, well, I got out knowing there was a pandemic coming, um, and therefore I missed out on, the, or I avoided that 35% fall in share markets that we saw going through February into March last year. But then most people wouldn't have got back in again. So it would have been all for naught because the share market's now gone back above that high and um, you would have missed out on the return. Or you might have got it around the other way. So trying to time markets in the very short term is very, very hard, even for experts. So the key is, I think, this is the most important thing. You can dabble a little bit, but I think the bulk of your investments should be focused on investing for the long term, making the most of the, of the compound interest, not trying to forecast and second guess everything because the odds are, unless you put a lot of effort into it, and even when you do put a lot of effort into it, you will probably get it wrong. Throughout life, we often hear that classic expression, don't put all your eggs into the one basket, right? And the same could be said for investing. Why should investors look to having a well-diversified portfolio? Well, that's a good question. And sometimes we think, oh, I just want to keep things simple. I'm just going to put all my money into one share and uh, I'm, I'm well familiar with XYZ Bank and I'll stick it in there or I do my shopping at ABC supermarkets, I'll put it in there. Um, that might be well and good and if they're good Australian companies, they'll probably do well for you, but there's no guarantee of that. <laughs> they may stuff it up. Um, they may lose some money or they may get in trouble with regulators, which causes them major problems. The history of share markets is that you're far better off having a well-diversified mix of, of shares. You know, resources, shares, banks, consumer stocks, and so on. If you've got that, then you've got something that will stand all the storms that will be thrown at it. it won't 
protect you perfectly, but you'll avoid the odd company that does go default uh, and default and goes out of business. If you go back to 1900, a lot of the companies that were around back then simply aren't around today. I know BHP is, but a lot of other companies are not. So you've got to have a well-diversified portfolio, but it also extends beyond shares. You might think, oh, why do I have to bother with uh, putting my money in financial assets? I've got some uh, property. Uh, most people who invest in property maybe just have the family home and one other property. That's not really diversified. Um, it's yeah, exposed across two locations. Uh, that's not very diversified at all. You, you far, if, if possible, you'd have a put, property portfolio covering the whole of Australia. You can't do that. Um, but I, I like to think, and this is something I did when I got to a point where I got my mortgage down to a level I felt was manageable, I wanted to do some investing. Um, where would I go? Will I go to property? And then I'm thinking to myself, well, property already dominates my portfolio, my, my investments, my wife and, my, and myself's uh, asset portfolio. Um, maybe I should put some money into financial markets and that's why I put it into shares. But the key is to have a well-diversified portfolio. Don't put all your eggs in one basket in case that basket falls over and breaks your eggs. Lastly, I just wanted to touch on the information palette or the noise that's out there for investors. We know that generally speaking, bad news sells, and I know that personally from being a former news guy. Uh, more often than not these days, investors have access to more information, commentary and analysis than ever before. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's high quality or entirely reputable, does it? It certainly does it. It doesn't. And uh, I think the reality is that the quality of information to some degree is going downhill these days. So you can imagine it this way. In the old days, there were just a few providers of news, a few print uh, magazines, a few radio stations and a few TV stations, and they would have the headlines, which would get you in. That would be the hook, the clickbait. Um, but the rest of the stuff was pretty well curated and fairly well balanced. Um, these days, uh, that's not the case. Those traditional media are competing with new digital media, and they're in your face. Every time you turn your phone on, you might be exposed to this stuff. And they want you to click on it. They want you to watch it. And they will track whether you watch it or not. And they won't give your name, but they will show the stats to their potential advertisers, to their sponsors, if you like. So the more clicks they can get, uh, the more money they get paid from their advertisers and the happier they are. But the trouble is, as you just said, bad news sells. So a lot of the news that becomes the clickbait is the bad stuff the negative stuff, the stuff that, thinks, that makes you think things are amiss, uh, that makes you think there's something really going on. The reality is that a lot of the time nothing much is going on. It's just a bunch of noise. Uh, things aren't quite as bad as they like you to think they are. Um, and you're often better off trying to turn that noise down. And there's several ways you can do that. But I think it's critically important. If you're going to stay on course for a long-term investment plan, making the most of compound interest, you have to turn down the noise. If you don't turn down the noise, you'll get distracted and make bad decisions. You'll be jumping here, jumping there. But there's several ways to turn down the noise, which I like to, to, um, to practice. One is put things in context. You know, as soon as we, that pandemic came along, what did I do? I went back to 19, 18, 19 and had a look. What happened then? It was horrible, absolutely horrible. Far worse than we've seen this time around. But we recovered. Investment markets recovered. Then we had the Roaring Twenties. I'm not saying we're going to have the Roaring Twenties again, but put things in context. Things are different every time, but there's a degree of similarity, and history tells us we do recover. Recognise that it's normal for markets to swing around. Next time you hear the share market lost $50 billion, $50 billion today or $40 billion or $100 billion or whatever it is, 
Just bear in mind, that same media outlook will never tell you when that $50 billion is put back on. Mm. But just bear in mind also that those swings are quite normal. We go down, we go up. That's the nature of share markets. They have that volatility with them. The volatility is the price you pay for the higher return. Focus on only a few reliable news services. You know, find some that you think are reliable and stick to them, whether it's a subscriber service or a TV station or whatever it is. Don't bombard yourself with stuff. And also make sure you turn off the notifications because I find the notifications really distracting. And the final point I would say is check your investments less because that way you're less likely to get bad news. If you think about the share market, turn on the nightly news and track it from day to day. It's 50-50 virtually as to whether you get good news or bad news on the share market. But if you track it once a month, um, you'll find it's something like 60 to 70% chance of getting good news. Once a year, it's 70, 80% chance. And in Australia, if you look at it just once a decade, believe it or not, 100% of the time you've got good news. So I think the tr trick there is to try and look less at your investments and therefore all of those things, if you follow them, should stand you in good stead in terms of trying to turn down the noise. Some really sensible advice there, Shane, ever the cool head you are. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time, however. Shane, I just wanted to thank you once again for joining us. It has been a pleasure tapping into your expertise and wealth of knowledge. Listeners, before we leave you today, just a quick reminder once again that if you'd like further information to help guide your future and retirement, please visit amp.com.au forward slash super. And it's always important to consider getting expert advice before making any financial decisions.